Welcome to Respawning Fire, the kick-ass irreverent gaming podcast where three lifelong friends gather to talk about video games. I am Holden DePardo. I'm here with Chad, Chad Innes. Michael Innes. Hello, just everyone. Chad Innes. Don't I'm match Michael you part. lightwise a little bit here. Oh, okay, so that's cool. Otherwise, that's cool. it's just like I'm an extreme Ghostbuster. I'm a ghost, and you're the Ghostbuster. You just interrupted the there whole introduction, and now it's gonna sound really weird when I say Everyone's you're so you, confused. and that's why we love you. <laughs> <laughs> The context for that is perfect. Uh, we have a special side quest episode today uh, where Chad and I are going to be talking about Banjo-Kazooie, which was the barf game of the month. Um, I had not played Banjo-Kazooie before. You have. I have played Banjo-Kazooie many, many times. Many, many times. Okay. So you won't be many, as infuriated many. with the parts that I was infuriated with. Because... Correct. Because <laughs> you know all the I have all the beaten answers. Banjo-Kazooie maybe th- two, maybe three times, if that helps. Can we just start with my first question then? Mm-hmm. Why? Um, why did I beat it? Or yeah, why, why did, did you want to beat this game multiple times? That's my first <laughs> question. Uh, I really, really love this game. I love it a lot. Uh, as you mentioned, yes, I played it. Uh, I played it way back whenever it came out on the N sixty four. I think we got it as soon as it came out. I don't know. It was eight when it came out, but I remember having it like when it was popular to talk about at school. Um. I played it a lot when I was a kid. I remember making my mom a Mother's Day card that said, Happy Mother's Day. I can't wait to, for Banjo-Tooie to come out so that we can play together. And my mom was like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> I loved this game a lot. And I'm going to be upfront in saying that because I played it there on N64 a lot as a kid, I played it on these Xbox 360 uh quite a few years ago and got everything except for four jiggies that were not jiggies but the music notes that were glitched and didn't show up in my game i came back to it and just explored the save file that i had already completed everything and i just went back and explored all the worlds again fought some monsters and things like that. so i didn't actually play the game start to finish again but i went back to all the different worlds and played around in them uh, so I did not quite complete everything as we were supposed to in a barf game. And for that, I'm going to forgive you for your grievance as well. <laughs> I appreciate it. I was going to say, I should uh, let everyone know that I did not finish the game. I got to, well, actually, I'll stop. I'll save where I ended because that's a big, uh, that's a big issue for me. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Um, but I guess I wanted to start off with this being a kind of 3D platformer uh, open world. Oh. I'd say open world, but like open level uh, 3D platformer, kind of like a Mario 64. How do you think this compares to that? Because I feel like those two games, being on the 64, are kind of easily comparable. Yeah, they're definitely, when you think about N64 or you think about first 3D platformers, the first thing that everyone comes to mind is like, oh, yeah, duh, Super Mario 64. And then the second thing is always, yes, Banjo-Kazooie. Um, so they are absolutely comparable. There's... A quote from the director of Banjo-Kazooie, it's like, everyone owes, uh, everyone who's made a 3D platformer owes homage to Super Mario 64, for sure, but we feel like our game is a little bit different. And I do think that it it has some unique um, quirks, the way that it controls, the way that it doesn't control well all the time, uh, that, yeah, (laughs) makes it its own, for sure. And it kind of feels like a more, I don't want to say edgy, but kind of like a... A little bit more of a grown-up 3D platformer than Super Mario. That's not really the word I want either. But I, it, I, I it, think it's unique. You mean, though. It's harder for than Super Mario 64. It is harder for, for sure. sure. Yep. Um, I think that 
what surprised me when I was playing it is that it has that open level design, but it's extremely well. It's extremely reminiscent of Super Mario Odyssey, but obviously Odyssey is harkening back to Banjo Kazooie and not the other way around. Right, um, of course. There are so many similarities into how the world structure works. Like for starters, in Super Mario sixty four, you collect a star. You reset back to the beginning of the level again. They might remix that map, change some things up, and now that map is designed for the next star they want you to get. Right. Whereas Super Mario Odyssey, obviously, you can just go collect moons and just keep collecting moons to your heart's content until they're all gone. You don't get reset back, except for like very, very specific circumstances. Um, this, uh, Banjo-Kazooie, had that open-level design where you could just go and get the puzzle pieces and roam around and just kind of... It's like a little bit more of a playground than I think Super Mario 64 was. Where 64 was just, here's some levels that are 3D. This felt like more of like, no, here's this environment that you're going to explore and just kind of bullshit around in, and you're going to end up finding stuff. Whether that's like a spot where there's a ton of um, musical notes, or you do find a puzzle piece, or you find a... Uh, what are the statues the little heads called? The Jinjo? Jinjos, yeah. Jinjos, okay. Which a also question. like feels like a racial slur, or that it probably is in some language. <laughs> <laughs> Well, mumbo-jumbo actually is. Yeah, mumbo-jumbo, <laughs> for yeah. sure. It was the 90s. It was the 90s. Everything's forgiven. It was the 90s. Um, <laughs> so if you say mumbo-jumbo, it's only because we're saying a character's name that we did not name. Therefore, we are not bigots. That's right. We did not name him. Um, so anyway, so you collect all the musical notes, but then also you have, almost like how in Odyssey, you had like the hat mechanic where you could uh, um, possess different enemies. You can't necessarily possess different enemies, but you can transform into something else that lets you navigate that specific map in a, in a different way. I don't think right. all the maps, not all the maps have that, but I'd say the majority of them do. I can't, or le- I don't at least know if I can half. think of one that didn't have one. I don't think that um, the Oh, maybe the Gobi Bay Desert? Did. The Gobi Desert didn't, the, um, the Bay didn't okay. either. So I think Rusty the vast Bucket majority Bay. of them did. Yeah, R- Rusty Bucket Bay. Um, Rusty Bucket Bay. Um, yeah. So I, I like when I was playing it, I'm like, wow, this feels really ahead of its time. And the controls also have that kind of like playability to it where like Mario Odyssey, you can really mess with the controls and do some crazy things you couldn't do before. Banjo Kazooie kind of has that, like, here's a multitude of different things that you can do to interact. You can run around as Banjo. You can run around as, as Kazooie. You have special attacks, you know, per... Um, using your your eggs or using like jumping up in the air and like hitting with your beak like there's a bunch of different movesets you can use um i found them really hard to implement sometimes you know what i think part of it is i i i feel like it's harder to play on a dual stick setup on a modern controller than it would be on the n64 controller yes. i 100% don't think i remember it being or controlling as poorly whenever it was using an N64 controller because you know you traditionally you had the one joystick on the N64. You don't have the yep. camera controls; those are usually mapped to the C buttons, and uh, so I don't think it translated a hundred percent well to modern controllers for sure. Absolutely, like a good example of that is when you are. What's there's a uh, move? I don't know what the move's called, but you use the golden leaf and you can kind of just move through any object, and it, yeah. you're basically invincible. I would activate that accidentally all the time because I'd go to move Kazooie forward after releasing Kazooie, but I'd have my right thumb on the thumbstick and I'd move it to the right and all of a sudden I'm in that invincible mode. I'm like, didn't didn't mean to do that. Usually there's enough golden leaves around or golden feathers around that it wasn't too much of an issue. I also tend not to use special abilities like that anyway, so like it wasn't <laughs> like a huge loss, except for one time where I really had to use it. Um 
But like one that I got me is when you jump and then hit with your beak. Yeah. For some yep. sometimes <laughs> I felt Yeah. Sometimes I felt like I couldn't quite implement that fast enough. And that's like when the bees were like the one room with all the bees are coming after you. That got kind of oh, hard. Yeah. Especially when you're timed on it later on in the the quiz show, whatever it's called, at the end. <laughs> you love that quiz show. Oh, I love it. We'll talk about that quiz show. So yeah, I think all the worlds were were unique and stood out in their own. Like any especially on N sixty four, any water level is always atrocious. Oh god, yeah. Frickin' I, Russ, or what was Clinker's Cavern? Clinker's Cavern, yeah. God. God damn it. I hate water levels, especially <laughs> those first 3D platformers that have those water levels in them. With the unnecessarily inverted controls that make it really awkward to to move around, it's yep. so frustrating. And it it only frustrated me because it does require precision in the water levels. Like they're speaking of uh, Clonker's Cavern, where you go down below Clonker and his little um, to undo the the chain and raise it up, but you have to like go through the lock three times, right? And you'll never make it on your own with the air unless you follow that stupid fish around and <laughs> hitting those bubbles to get your air supply up. And I'm like, oh, it'll fill up your whole air supply. It only fills up one. Like I guess it's one honeycomb, honeycomb. Yeah. yeah. And oh man, like that infuriated me because I'm like, I die just trying to get more bubbles so I could survive down there longer. And it was like, <laughs> it was oh man. And I don't think I actually feel like the the Xbox One controller is better suited for that because the joystick on an Xbox One is way better than it is on a N64 for sure. Yeah. Um, but oh man, like that, like some of that. When I got out of level, I'm like, thank God, I'll never have to deal with another water level again, except there's water in a good number of worlds after that. <laughs> yep. But it's like it's hard to fault Banjo-Kazooie for that, because no game had really figured that out. And I at that point, I'd see, say even now, games don't really have water like figured out. Yeah, there's, there's no game bit... I can think of off the top of my head is like, whoa, this is the perfect water experience. Even a game like... <laughs> yeah. like I think about Abzu, who the entire yep. game is focused around being underwater. It's like it mm-hmm. still didn't quite feel perfect. Yeah, um, but there's like a, a kind of positives of the game. There's a lot of charm to it. it. Even if it doesn't necessarily speak to me exactly, I can recognize that there's kind of like good little goofy characters in each world, like like the tree who's who's really thirsty in Gobi's Valley and you have to like bring the camel to him and stomp down on the camel and the camel's really upset at you or Kobe's really <laughs> upset at you for like launching the water and like there were some kind of like funny moments that that came from that um yeah. Gruntilda like her whole uh it's Gruntilda yeah Gruntilda yeah. yeah um her whole like okay so I'm gonna get into like the the to the um Part of frustrated me but I want to say something that's kind of funny still about that so I didn't finish the game because I got to the I beat the final world, which was the woods, whatever they're called, and then you go and you have to do this like game show basically, where you move tile by tile until you get up to Gruntilda. We have to answer questions, and some of these questions are literally things that are super specific to her as a character. Yep. So you have to know, like, like the one that I still don't know the answer to is after three hours of doing that stupid quiz show, <laughs> is what does she hang from her bedroom? And it was like stinky socks, um, a rotten fish are like 
dirty undies or something like that. And like, but like that's just one question out of tons of them. They're like, who's her sister? Where'd she go to college? What was her friend's name? <laughs> yep. And like, it's really funny if I didn't have a time limit to like beat the game. Like, it really added a lot to Gruntilda's character. But man, was I getting frustrated with it. She Those like, are the things she's that, like, a character are really funny. Yeah, if you did not go and talk to like hear everything that the good witch, her sister, had to say. Yeah, I, yeah. If you didn't listen to everything she had to say and like be really observant and listen to every single piece of dialogue the Grunty had, then yeah, that can be really, really difficult for sure. And to have that as like a yeah. requirement at the end of the game is like a little unfair. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, I have a lot more to say about that quiz show, but um, yes, yeah, so, like I come across. Um, her sister a lot and I'm like oh she's saying some kind of funny things it's not and I literally thought to myself it's not like they're gonna quiz me on this later so if I see her I don't need to talk to her so I didn't talk to her even like I thought the things she was saying were were pretty funny I just like yeah I don't need to I'll just avoid that and oh man what a mistake what a mistake and again it reminded me Mario Odyssey where you have these those sphinx statues that you can answer uh, questions from but it's usually oh, like a yeah. handful of questions. They're about the world that you know that you're currently in at the time, and they're very similar to how Banjo Kazooie's work. But they're optional; you don't have to do it. And it just really infuriated me that I had to do it. But some of these questions, like if it wasn't something, um, like all the questions had this degree of unfairness. I thought to it, like one would be like, "Listen to this squabble sound. Which character was that?" <laughs> I don't- <laughs> I don't know. Like, there's two dolphin characters. It could be either one of them, but one of them's clearly a <laughs> fake name. There was one where um, you go on like the red, uh, the red tile with a skull on it, and if you fail that question, that's it. You're done. Period. You have to start all over again. And that would be one where it's like, here's a picture of a location. We've zoomed up on it. It's an orange circle. Where is that? I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> and because I had done really well up until that point, I lose. I kept losing. But the one that infuriated me the most. The nice thing about the open world structures, you can avoid certain parts of the game if it's like too hard for you. For example, in um, the Rusty Bucket Bay, Rusty Bucket Bay, yeah, there's the box boss battle, which there's not many boss battles, but I came across like the box boss. And you have to like jump into him and he breaks apart in different boxes. And I'm like, yeah. man, he's kind of hard. I can give up this one puzzle piece. I don't have to do it. And then I come to one of the time-based challenges uh, in, in that quiz show. And of course, it's the box boss that I couldn't <laughs> beat before. And now they say 70 seconds. You got to do it in 70 seconds. I'm like, fuck you. I couldn't even do it before. <laughs> I gave up. So and it seemed like one path I was taking would always result in it being the box boss. Every time I got to that same exact tile, it was always him. I, I guess I'm just I'm I'm so flummoxed with with that choice is I, I was like pretty good on the game before. I wouldn't say I was like overwhelmingly positive on it, but I got to that point. And I'm like, this is has nothing to do with the gameplay. Like I don't. I'm not. This is the final big challenge of the game. I'm assuming the final boss is right after. It's pretty close to that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like I feel like this is the last kind of big challenge in the game. And it's there's nothing to do with platforming skills that I've gotten better at over the course of the game. It has nothing to do with um like a new ability that they've they've given you or something like that. Like it's it doesn't build up to something other than random knowledge I felt like I didn't need to know, but apparently I did. <laughs> I had ranted about this, so there's a there's a long rant, but it really infuriated me. So thank you for uh 
being nice and forgiving me on this one. Yep. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank to you. To be honest, you were still several days late despite the game show, but <laughs> I also was misbehaving, so it doesn't matter. Misbehaving. Misbehaving. Uh, yeah, it's... it's a, Do you have a I, pickle in your mouth, Chad? <laughs> <laughs> What's that line? Run around the house with a pickle in your mouth? Misbehaving. Yeah, it's righteous gemstones for yeah. whatever we're talking about. It's not, it's, um, not, it's not innuendo. We don't have pickles in our mouths. It's innuendo. <laughs> it has nothing to do with that. I think the first time playing that game as a kid, I think the game show I remember is like where I ended up getting stuck, and that's where I stopped. Yeah. Um, similar to like you know the Zora Temple from Majora's Mask. Like, yep, that's where mm-hmm. infamously got stuck and stopped every single time I tried it. So, uh, in fact, I think maybe the very first time I've ever. No, I definitely beat it once as a kid because I remember the key, the stupid useless key. Did you did you get the key at all? I don't, I never beat that dungeon. So there's I still a key need to beat and there's an egg in the game that you can find that are yeah. literally useless. Like they oh, make you think they're going to be used for something, and like people were speculating, like, oh yeah, it's actually this part of the game that was like actually re- written out, or they got rid of it, but they just left in these two collectibles that literally do nothing. Um. But yeah, that was the, that was the spot I always got caught up. But outside of that, the rest of the game I thought was charming as fuck. I think the the soundtrack, the score to this game, is one mm-hmm. of the best of all time. Like easily top fifteen video games. You know, I for me. I can see that because of the musical like challenge tiles in that game show. When they said, "Hey, this is a song from an environment," I could hear it and go, "That song sounds chilly." I bet that's Freezy Peak, <laughs> and then Freezy Peak would show up as one of the options. Yeah, and I love that when you're walking around the the um, the overworld, it's the and it's that same tune but as you transition from world to world it like seamlessly transitions into like that version of the theme Mm -hmm. and it's like oh my god you can hear this theme in like 50 different ways uh it's so good and that's one of the the themes that i consistently come back to and just humming all the time or just the banjo kazooie songs i think Mm -hmm. they're fantastic that and just doing all the stupid character voices. I love all the stupid little mumbles. I love that they decided to go that route instead of any kind of like voice acting. But it's like, I love it. I freaking love it. <laughs> Gruntilda's um, lair. Sorry, you go gr- first. You- I was I was going to ask you if there's any like specific levels or mechanics that you really enjoyed or really hated, other than the so- quiz show. <laughs> yeah, the quiz show. So I should say, Gruntilda's Lair is a really good hub world. Yeah. It is worth exploring. There are secrets that are in there. Like There are lots of puzzle pieces. So you'll be in a world, and you'll find a little switch that has Gruntilda's face on it. And if you pound it down, then somewhere in the overworld, they'll show you a, a puzzle piece will come up. And there are some where I'm like, how am I going to get that? How on earth am I going to get that? You really have to like figure out how to navigate that hub world. And that was really cool. That was something that, like, Super Mario 64, I think, has this, like, iconic hub world of Peach's Castle. But you don't really do that much in Peach's Castle outside of run around and open doors and jump into paintings. It's largely what you're the, doing. And you get, like, Metal Mario and stuff there, too. But... Yeah, but, like, nothing to the degree of, like, Banjo-Kazooie, where right. exploration, like, there are points where you'll not know exactly where to progress. You'll, like, like to get to... 
the final area, the woods area, you have to kind of backtrack a lot and then dive underwater or a place you really hadn't considered diving before because it didn't seem relevant. There's a tunnel, you swim through it. Oh, and there's the puzzle, uh, there's the, the, uh, the painting I have to fill in, but there's no block cube. Where's that? You know, or a um, block uh, puzzle stand to like stand on the puzzle stand to then get prompted to fill in the puzzle pieces into the portrait, and you have to explore and navigate and kind of figure out what's what where you've already been before, and that was enjoyable. I liked that. It made the hub world more of a puzzle and a world in and of itself that I wasn't anticipating. That was really great. Um, I at first I wasn't a big fan of having to switch between Kazooie and Banjo to navigate around in different ways either like i feel like to go up a steep slope or yeah or even to like um navigate like really narrow platforms where like uh, kazooie just wouldn't really be useful at first i didn't like that but i kind of realized that it lends itself to the world's opening up in different ways like gobi desert has a lot more involved with being kazooie and running up slopes and, and using speed to your advantage, whereas the woods area was a lot more about precise platforming and having to use Banjo to navigate a little more slowly, but precisely. And they I think they played with that really well throughout the game, so that was something that I liked. Um, and even I was kind of saying how the controls are... There's a lot to the controls. It's a little complicated at times. I kept having this thought of, is it the controls that are really, really bad, or... What it ended up hitting me is it's the camera, and the camera has a bad impact on the controls. So like an example of this is you'll be navigating somewhere that's pretty narrow in terms of like the, the walls are closed in or something like that. Or there's like one wall that's just kind of obscuring the camera from moving the way you want it to. What ends up happening is, is that it just like jumps across to another angle that it does work with if that makes any sense and then your perspective on banjo changes so the position you were pointing your joystick is no longer the direction that he's going in and then you're you're you fall off the map like that got really frustrating in terms of like something that really like upset me in terms of like the controls i think that was probably it but the mechanics i think are just kind of a lot to learn at once but once you put them into practice it works pretty well yeah. I think about uh, a couple of instances that were like really frustrating me or like in, I think it was Click Clock Wood, where yeah. you're climbing up the tree and then there's like little cutouts on the tree and you got to like jump out, fly around and jump into the next hole. It's like that always was like super frustrating to me and that it didn't work well and the camera always got mm-hmm. in the way. But it doesn't matter because I had a great time with it anyway. I love, I think my favorite thing about this game is all the mumbo jumbo transformations like being a little pumpkin scooting around the pumpkin one was the best one yeah oh my god um the cute little crocodile too Mm -hmm. freaking great Uh, ant gross get out of here no one wants to be a bug that's disgusting (laughs) the ant was kind of the most useless one it was literally just yeah now you can go up that spiral like ramp yeah that was kind of it. But yeah, the crocodile was fun. You could walk in the poison more freely. Then you got to do the mini game. That mini game was hard. The first it two was, parts of the mini- yeah. <laughs> the first two parts of the mini game are not too bad. Third part never beat it. Couldn't do it. It was too hard. <laughs> <laughs> it was impossible. Um, but the pumpkin was the best one, mostly yeah, because sure. 
the pumpkin, you go to the mansion, and <laughs> first of all, you get to have the pumpkin go in the toilet, which is awesome. <laughs> I liked that. Um, but then there's the one where you go to the pipe on the front right side of the mansion, and then there's a puzzle piece, but you can't jump up to get it. You realize you have to fall down to get there, which is to find a way as the pumpkin to get on top of the roof to fall through the hole to get there. Like, that was cool to, like, okay, I need to scour this world. I found this one part in the maze that looks like I couldn't get to. I bet there's a way to get into there as the pumpkin. Where is it? Just navigating, figuring, exploring. Good stuff. Are you happy you played it? I am. And it's funny because I, as. Chad just texted me. He's like, hey, we're ready to do this. And I was still in the middle of that fucking game show. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck this game. This game's fucking stupid. And then we spent about, I don't know, 20 minutes or so kind of getting OBS set up and, and all that. And I'm glad I had that 20 minutes to kind of reflect back on the things that I did. Because <laughs> <like about it. laughs> if you'd asked me that question right as we started, I would have said, fuck no, fuck this game. But it's really oh, just that fuck that one bias. specific part. Yeah, fuck, fuck that one most recent part of that I played, but of uh, the the game show. But it, it's a it's a solid game, and I think of the N sixty four games that I played because I think notoriously I've kind of said I think that generation holds up the least out of all of them. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I feel like this is a standout as a game that's actually really good. If they were to like, if they were to remake this game, I'd be very into that. To kind of see if they can polish it up with more modern consoles, more modern design, language, and games. I think this game would really stick out. I really want another one. Actually, how's the 360 version of it? Is it good? It's the well, it's, it's basically what you see in Rare. Oh, Nuts and Bolts, the game. No, I've never played that. Okay. But there's Banjo Tooie, which is the sequel to it. I've only ever played like the first 10 minutes of that game. But you told your mom on Mother's Day you're so excited about I it. I know. I don't think we ever actually got it as a kid, <laughs> but I played it on 360. Oh, okay. I'm yeah, curious how Nuts jump and Bolts that. is. A Nuts and see, Bolts, as I understand, is not an actual game. It's a not an actual like 3D platformer. I think it's like a some kind of puzzle game. Really? Yeah. Oh. I don't think it's a traditional Banjo Kazooie game. I need to find this out. Find oh, it out. Hold, please. Obviously, ba- Banjo Tooie, I don't think I would do only because it's another N64 game. And I feel like I got, like, is it, if it's very different than Banjo and Kazooie, I would play it. But it sounds like it's just a sequel on N64. So it sounds like as it's not rem- too much different. As I remember, I think it's, it's very much a like quick turnaround. Basically, the same thing, which is different, um, different levels like it's all the same ideas same mechanics everything's the same but but again i only played like 10 minutes of it so take that with a grain of salt and smoke it banjo we came out in 2000 so it's yeah two years between that and mumbo jumbo or no uh bottles in the beginning of that game is just dead they kill him (laughs) So here's the Wikipedia description of the gameplay in Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. The game mostly revolves around vehicle construction in which the player must design custom vehicles, including automobiles, motorbikes, boats, and aeroplanes. Gameplay itself is centered on completing a series of challenges depending on the specific vehicle, although some parts of the game retain platforming traits. Yeah, that sounds Mm -hmm. dumb. 
Yeah, it's made yeah, by I'm not Rare. interested. Well, now they're yeah, doing Sea of Thieves expansion packs like crazy. What an interesting journey they've had, Rare. From like Donkey Kong yeah. Country to Banjo Kazooie. What did they do after that? Banjo Tooie? We already knew that. <laughs> Shut up. Yes, of course they did. <laughs> but now they're just they're doing Sea of Thieves. Yeah. They have another game coming out too on uh, Xbox One. Yeah, it's well, of course Xbox One. Rare owns them. Or isn't uh, like the Battle Royale with swords or something like that, or that's or Overwatch theory. type thing. I don't know. That's Ninja Theory with uh, Bleeding Edge. Um, that's what I'm thinking of. I think uh, I think it's called Everwild. I think I uh, just on the Wikipedia page for Banjo Kazooie. I can just tap on Rare's name and we can find out together. Oh, they did Diddy Kong Racing, which is like such a fucking good game. Oh, they did Goldeneye. They did Goldeneye, yep. And uh, Perfect Dark. Um, Everwild, yeah. A fantasy action-adventure title called Everwild. Interesting. Battletoads, yep. Dang, what what a an eclectic collection of games that they've created. Star Fox Adventures? I like Star Fox Adventures. That was good. That might not be a popular opinion, but I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> is that the one with dinosaurs in it? Uh, I think Adventures was one with dinosaurs in it. This thing is, I get Assault and Adventures confused a lot because it's a game I rented from Blockbuster as a kid. Mm. So it's not like I have like a ton of experience with it, but I remember liking it. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I played it. Sounds like you're glad you explored the worlds again. I, I, I messed around. I, I texted it you up at 1230 at night, and we hit it again, and that was it. Uh, yes, hmm? yes, enjoy this game a lot. Next month, March, this month, we are playing... Oh, Bioshock Infinite. I'm so freaking happy we're playing Bioshock Infinite. <laughs> uh, get it, download it, play it, eat it, absorb it, live it, love it, laugh. Bonus points if you do um, Burial at Sea. Which is That's the DLC. Required. It's not required, but I really... I've never played Burial at Sea. I feel um, like we should include it. Because we included Minerva's Den with Bioshock 2. You think you can do Bioshock Infinite and... Yeah, sure. Is there a puzzle game at the end of it where I have to like, answer <laughs> questions about the lore? Alright, it is official. It's required. <laughs> Burial at Sea is required reading as well. Um, if you want to vote for April's game, go to patreon.com slash respawn aim fire where you can vote on what we're going to play next. Anything else holding before we leave these little babies? Um, I love lamp. I love lamp. All right. Bye, little baby birds. <laughs>